Hey, welcome once again to a Second Corinthians audio devotional panel. And I'm going to start us off real quick by letting you know who's here. I'm Steve Durr, and I'm here with Steve Thompson and Autumn Zimmerman. Great to have Autumn with the two Steves, a pair of Steves. Pair of Steves and an Autumn. Pair of Steves and an Autumn. Autumn is on staff with us here at Watermark. Yes, and Autumn, what what is it that you do here? You do a little bit of everything, I feel like. but I mean, technically, I'm the facilities coordinator, I think. Nice. So if you, you have think. any scheduling needs, but I mean, I do whatever ever's needed. You do. You, know? you do step in and if handle I need to like buy some mousetraps or what have you, we would I'll never do have that. mice around yeah. here. And honestly, you bring so much value to our team that we would look for uh, occupational type stuff to hire you for because right. it's great having you. Just to walk around and give high fives. Well, <laughs> yes. well thank you. That's awesome. I love That's it. True. Yeah, we love having you on the team. And you were on the one that actually introduced us to Experience Mission through whom we started our Haiti um Haiti partnership yeah. with and that yeah. kind of thing. So that's mm-hmm. been awesome. That's great. Well, today we get to talk about money, 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 money. <laughs> so we're talking about money, cash, money. Actually, probably more like digital currency. I don't know. I don't think they had Bitcoin. that back then in the first. No. Bitcoin. Yeah, they had Bitcoins. Yeah, exactly. So in Second Corinthians chapter 8, uh, we covered that this week. Paul is talking to the Corinthians about giving what they said they were going to do. They're going to give towards the church in Jerusalem. And the church of Jerusalem, primarily Jewish followers of Jesus, have faced a famine. Uh, They faced some financial difficulties, persecution. And so Paul is kind of going to these different churches that are primarily Gentiles in Greece and in these different areas. And sharing what's been going on there in Jerusalem. And these churches are now saying, hey, we would like to help out our brothers and sisters who are Jewish in Jerusalem and help the poor there in Jerusalem. And one of the first churches to get out there and say, we want to be a part of that was the church in Corinth. And so Paul's been talking to them about it. They said they want to do it. He's told other churches about it. They're getting excited. And then all of a sudden, they don't seem to be pulling the gift together, and it's getting a little awkward. So, But, Steve, uh, you mentioned something I thought was interesting. We often talk about this is written not necessarily to us. It's to them, but for us. We can receive some insight and such for it. But for you, when you read this and thought about the idea of these churches in other parts of the world, these Gentile churches predominantly, giving to a Jewish church in Jerusalem— you 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 kind of raised an interesting question. Thanks. So yeah, first of all, there's this little feel that uh, I wonder if this is like the first Sunday school fundraiser where they pitted classrooms against each other. <laughs> and so Paul's like, "Hey, you should see what the Macedonians are doing to Corinthians." And to Corinth, he's like, "Dude, you should totally see what the Macedonians are doing." Anyway, I don't know if that's happening or not. But like a penny war. Or a penny war, exactly. Yeah. You you've been there. For those of you who grew up in church, you may have been there, and that was particularly in the '70s and '80s. But the thought. I I had, and I'm wondering, somebody please out there do research on this, because I certainly won't, is if like <laughs> this is the first like nonprofit attempt at pulling communities who otherwise would have no connection, no maybe even knowledge of each other that much together 
to bless and serve and come alongside a different community. Cause like, I'm sure they're at this point in civil civilization, you've had your Babylonians, your Medo Persians, now your Romans who use tax money to do stuff and to take care of their little outposts. But this would be the first like nonprofit. I'm wondering where just these communities who only identify themselves as followers of Jesus are being called to come together and take care of other brothers and sisters that they've never met in a different community and really help them out. So I don't know. I'm just wondering if this is maybe the first time in history where something like this has happened. I don't know. So we're here with Autumn. And Autumn, what was it from this passage? We This past week, our devotional is focused on 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and a little bit of 9. But what caught your attention from that passage that you think, oh, this might be for me? Well, the first thing that stuck out to me was just in um, chapter 8, verses 2, where it talks about they're being tested by many troubles and they are very poor, but they're also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. And then the whole chapter talks about giving out of enthusiasm and giving out of generosity and eagerness. And I, I don't know about you, but that's not like typically my initial like MO when I think about giving. It's not usually with like a maybe a little generosity, but it's not usually over eager. It's sure. like, oh, I probably should do this. I'm going to do this kind of thing. And so, I don't know. I just love how it focused on um, the heart behind it, not necessarily the actual act. Even though the act is important, the heart behind it is just as important. Right. Yeah, that's a good challenge. I'm wondering, how do you both feel like we put ourselves in a position to enthusiastically be generous mm-hmm. rather than just kind of should our way into generosity. Mm -hmm. What are some things that you think could be helpful or you wonder this could help us and into that? Do you guys have any thoughts on that or? I feel like it's a little bit of a practice. Like I know what it feels like to be on the receiving end of generosity and it feels pretty, pretty great usually. And so the more like I try to practice that, I think the more that the joy and eagerness comes out of that. And the more I, the less I overthink it, the more I enjoy it. Yeah, that makes sense. That's good. And yeah, you brought up something with that that I think was an interesting principle when it comes to generosity, even beyond finances. Share a little bit of what you were thinking. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I know it's easy to think of this specifically towards finances, but I think of it as just like almost like a communal living of giving resources and time, sharing a meal or like offering to watch somebody's kid. To me, that all of that goes back into like giving and generosity. So when you see a need, uh, you said, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Don't overthink it. Just do it. Because it feels so great to be on the receiving end. So like, why overthink it? Mm. I mean, of course, there's times it doesn't work. But I think when you can, just jump on it. Yeah. I think when the need is like personal and tangible, like somebody around us is hurting and they're clearly mm-hmm. it's a need. Then it's then you don't even think about it. It's like, how can I help? Whatever mm-hmm. I can do, you want to do, even if you're thinking it might break break the bank a little bit, if it can help that need out because you care about them, you love them, you want to see that not happen. That's when it's like, I think the most natural and you don't even have to think about it when it is a little bit more is when I'm not connected to it. If it's on the other side of the planet. I don't know the people. I'm not familiar with the need. That's a little bit harder but I think like what you're saying, Autumn, is if that practice has been there in the place, then it's like, well, of course, I'm going to give to this. It's just now how much, what, God, what do you want me to do with that? I probably, that's my thought on it. 
And I also feel like it's a great way to be a picture of God's love to people. Like, I think that, I don't know, I'm not typically just going to go and like yell to a room that I love Jesus, but I feel like people will see generosity and that's an overflow of my love of Jesus. And that draws people to Jesus. Yeah. And the joy then comes on the tail end of that is getting to see how it impacts people. Right. You were telling us a little bit off air beforehand of how you've seen that happen. Could you maybe share a little bit of where you've seen that and and how it impacted you, how it inspired you? Yeah, probably more of like this generation as opposed to like back in biblical times on uh, social media. I just have a lot of fun watching. There's an Instagrammer named Carlos Whitaker, and he is just like a great inspiration of somebody who just acts on things. Like he will have somebody lay it on his heart that he doesn't know. It's probably somebody he's met in public. And then he'll go on his Instagram and rally crews together to bless people and will just literally change their lives by giving them money. But like, I mean, it's it's just super cool. And as a way of doing that, though, he is sharing with all of his following and all these people connected to the person who's receiving God's love. And I just think it's super cool. Yeah. And so this is a person who has pretty broad influence. So he's yes. got a lot of followers. He's an influencer. So he could like uh, leverage quite a bit of resource then yeah. toward one particular need. Yeah. And he will do that. I've seen him raise like $100,000 for somebody who plays piano at an airport and it's just phenomenal. And it was just a need that he ran into. Yes. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. And in that particular case, was there was that related to the story of somebody like getting to see Jesus or respond to Jesus differently as a result? Or am I just making stuff up now? No, I mean, it. it's pretty cool whenever he, for this guy in particular, he typically ends up building a relationship with the person and will share that this is like people who love Jesus giving you money and to do this. So it like opens the door mm-hmm. for that conversation. Yeah. That's cool. Did you have a story, Steve, of how maybe generosity has become a part of your life? I think it's hard. You know, Autumn mentioned, you know, it's really nice when people give to you. I think it is. Uh, my wife and I have been in a difficult season with family and some some different issues. And we've just had people uh, bring us some meals. And just, I think, I tend to struggle to receive because it's humbling. And I like to give because then I'm in control and awesome. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. But I think it's, you know, people say, it. you know, I, I think it is, it's fun to give. But I think, though, learning to receive, like what Autumn was sharing, I think makes you more aware of the power of giving. And I think if we never get close to a need around us, it's easy just to let that go and say, someone else will take care of that or do that. It's like uh, we've recently lost uh, my wife's mom And so you go through something like that, and then you hear from others who are going through that. I think your capacity of empathy and sympathy and compassion for those people increases because it's something you've gone through now, right? So I think the same is true with generosity and receiving and wanting to be used by God to meet practical needs of those around us. Yeah, for sure. Autumn, there's one other thing that you had brought up beforehand that generosity often for you isn't always financial. There's other ways in which you feel like this has played out. I was wondering if you could maybe speak to that a little bit in terms of how you've been impacted or moved by that or learned from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like giving finances is important, but I also feel like sometimes 
what the the sacrifice of time or energy is maybe even a bigger give than finances. And if you don't have the finances, maybe there's other ways to give. So, I mean, I think it could be as simple as bringing a meal or just doing something to show somebody you're thinking about them, or it could be a, just really alleviating a practical need. My father-in-law is a very... Um, he likes to meet practical needs and he comes over and does our yard work for us. And it's such a generous thing in this season of life when we just don't have a lot of margin to rake our leaves. And he comes over every fall and rakes our leaves. And it's the biggest gift in the world to us. And I feel like to me, that is like more important than money. Really, it's just such a gift to us. So I feel like that's an example of a way that you could give beyond finances. That's really cool. And it's a resource that your father-in-law happens to have. Mm -hmm. So he may not feel like it's any big deal. But to a time-strapped family, busy family, that's cool to hear Mm -hmm. how impacting that is. Mm -hmm. So we're going to leave you with the question, how's God getting your attention? And what will be your faithful response? Autumn, would you close us in prayer? Sure thing. God, we um, thank you for this day. We thank you for life and for the ways that you've entrusted the different resources that you have to us. And I pray that as we go about our lives, that you would just open our eyes to ways that we can um, be generous to other people, ways that we can reorient our time or our money um, to give. And I pray that as we do that, your kingdom would be expanded. Um, God, be with each person in every scenario that they're in today. I pray that you would meet them and that they would feel um, seen at the deepest parts of their heart by you. We love you, Jesus. Amen.